So care means to me um, having the compassion to really act on your, I don't know, your humanity to help others and also to consider other people's perspectives, people's feelings, um, people's experiences and to really try and um, support, support and maybe even provide a solution for somebody other than yourself. Hello and welcome to Transforming Care. This is a podcast I am recording with Joy. Hello, Joy. Hi, Jake. (laughs) Joy is my co-host. This podcast is the brainchild of myself and a few people who I've been having conversations with about why the care system seems to be in such a terrible state. I have uh, been a support worker working with young people in care for about seven years Um, and I have seen young people go through the care system unprepared for life in the adult world, kind of treated quite badly. A lot of the young people I've uh, done support work with are young people who've, you know, suffered quite bad either abuse or neglect um kind of at the more complex ends i think of uh, trauma ptsd and i just witnessed the system not treat them with the kind of love and compassion that they need uh treat them almost like a burden um spending a lot of money on them but without much results and you can see borne out in the figures that young people in care are more likely to be in contact with the criminal justice system less likely to go to university more likely to become homeless um, and I work in a homeless shelter as well and you see so many people from care coming in uh, as homeless people who are much further down the line who are suffering from like really debilitating drug addiction or mental health issues and So that's kind of why I decided to start this podcast, to have conversations with people, to find out why the care system is like that, why people in care who have been through such kind of difficult times in their lives are then treated by the state as if they really don't matter, or at least feel like the state treats them like they don't matter. Feel like there's not people in their lives that care for them. Feel like they get abandoned again when they reach 18. And to think about what is it about the system that has caused young people to to feel like this. And think about how we can kind of change that and and what what we can do to improve the system and to get young people living the lives they want to live, even if they're in care or if they're in care or not. So throughout the podcast, throughout this series, we'll be talking about the origins of the care system looking at charities that do good work, speaking of young people and speaking of academics and many others and we will try and find some solutions. Um, But for this episode, Mm -hmm. we will do an introduction and I will introduce Joy, who is um, someone I met through Drive Forward uh, Foundation who do like employment stuff with young people in care, shout out to Rory. And Joy is my co-host. Mm-hmm. 
wonderful co-host, oh, much, <laughs> much better interviewer than me. So, <laughs> thank you, Jake. Um, that was a really good introduction, and um, I definitely can't wait for everyone to listen to this podcast because it's so important and it's going to empower young people that have grown up in care and um, let them know that we're hearing you. I'm a care leaver myself. And I, I want to be an activist for other care leavers. And so this is the start. So, yeah, my name is Joy Malani and I'm 20 years old and I'm a care leaver. And um, I want to be like an interviewer slash presenter. So I'm really grateful to have this opportunity. And um, doing this is helping me not only understand more about the care system, but it's also helping me sort of heal through my own issues I've had with the care system and um, know that I have rights and that I need to be treated much better by social services. Yeah, and this, um, I think what is interesting about when we, you know, when I conceived of the idea, um, I kind of didn't know wh like where it would take me and, uh, and, and it's kind of been a, a bit of a mad journey because it's it's rather than it being like um straight down the line it's actually become like quite an emotion like a personal journey you know like yeah. and, and you meet people and it's not it's not always easy and and uh, uh, always challenges and so it's come a bit become a bit of a kind of self-discovery thing as well and for a bit of context my dad was taken into care w he was raised after he was taken into care his he was raised by his grandmother but he he was like kind of ca of care of the state when he was really young and was abused quite severely as a child and i didn't really know whether that would play into this series and and it kind of has become a bit of discovery as to like why i'm involved in this work in the first place um, which is interesting. Um, so, I mean, maybe start. Maybe we should just start by saying, like, what what has been your experience with the care system, maybe with regard to social services? Okay, so um, I initially grew up in something called private foster care uh, up until um, I was 16, 16 years old, and all it means is that you are not living with your biological family, um, but the government doesn't know. No one is aware. And then I was taken into actual foster care when I was 16. So I was being looked after by foster carers who are trained and I had a social worker and I was in a system. And you know what, funny enough, fo um, foster care was much better than private foster care because I don't know, it was just, at least there was someone there who was trained enough to take care of me. Um, a lot of the issues I faced was miscommunication with myself and my social worker didn't have the best relationship and I was trying to make so many points to her about what I wanted to be changed or done or how I needed help and she just kept telling me you know what I need to go by the rules and it's like you know I can't help you with this and it's like it just felt like no one was listening and it's always been that way even up until now I'm a care leaver now I'm no longer a foster care no one is still listening and this is the problem I hear that time and time again like you I like I, I fully take your point that that it 
the fact that there was some like there was someone once you got you know you have a social worker you go into foster care there's someone who's trained and, and like at least there is a structure there that makes sure that's trying to make sure that people aren't getting abused or like mm. aren't being neglected or whatever but so, like firstly a lot of times that doesn't work um there's a lot of abuse that happens maybe in more so in like private children's homes or it may be within families or you know that goes under undetected and that ha that does happen across the country um but one of the most common things that i've uh, i've encountered working with young people is that they are calling out for help to their social workers or whoever and like their views are not taken into account so you know someone could someone could be struggling with their mental health and and like kind of get angry smash something up say for example in a children's home or or somewhere and immediately they're moved without mm -hmm. without question to somewhere else like completely random that they don't know if they're in london it can be like miles and miles out of london i was talking to someone the other day who said she's in shropshire and she says like we have 200 people in care from shop shropshire and like 350, 400 people from London. And it's mm. mad. And it's like, these people just don't like, they're moved out. And, and the, young, the young person, the person at the heart of it is not given any kind of say. And, it just, and, it, and it, it's not just a funding thing, you know what I mean? Because they no. are, there's a lot of money being spent on these people. You know, there's, there's secure homes in Wales that are charging eight grand a week for young people crazy. to house young people because they can, you know? I think the money is just being spent on the wrong things. Mm. And I mean, I don't know, it's just not even about money anymore. That's one thing I've noticed is that as soon as you come into foster care, they're just gonna chuck loads of money at you. Oh, here's like a hundred pounds a week. Here's like a thousand pounds a month for this and that, for clothes. And that's not even what we need when we come into care straight away from like an abusive home. We need a lot of care. We need empathy. We need some um, support with like our mental health and our well-being. We need someone to talk to. We need a counselor. Those are the things that we need. Not oh here is like you know two hundred pounds a week so you can go shopping with your friends. That's not going to solve anything. And it and it's such a typical indictment of our society as well. Is like ah oh, like throw money at the problem and then the problem goes away and like not that that's even been the case over the 10 years of austerity that we've had the the fact is that the the services that have been cut are the services that people need that that require exactly. money to be funded uh, like you say there are like counsel having counseling exactly is something that is so important to everyone no matter who you are no matter yeah. where you're from you need to like people need to work through the kind of trauma that is that pervades our society, you know? And then that is just exacerbated if you've been in care, if you've if your caregiver has been taken away from you or you've uh, you've had to leave your your primary caregiver and then you've got another one that isn't your mum or your dad and then you've got another one mm -hmm. when you just get settled or Exactly. You know, and it's just over and over again this repeated cycle of like detachment from people who are meant to be giving you love and then there's and then the one 
service that is consistent, which is social services, social workers change all the time. Yeah. They're overworked. They can't spend any time with you. They just, you turn up and you, they give you your pocket money or whatever exactly, and then they go. that's it. And it's like, th- but social services itself is still consistently there. And it's n- There's no one there. It's such a, you know, juxtaposition. It's a faceless thing. It's like a ho- there's no heart in those buildings. Yeah, you know? yeah I mentioned that to you. I was like, um, I had a meeting recently with my PA and like I'm very confident and I know how to stand up for myself in any environment and um, situation. But every time I step foot into the building of like where my PA's office is, I just feel disempowered. I feel like I'm a victim. And it's like the energy that they just bestow as your corporate parents or your acting parents. It's like, they want to take all your power away. They don't want you to be, to amount to anything. It's so disheartening. And it's scary. I mean, so you're 20 years old now, you know? Um, Because so you still have a PA. Yeah. You live, you don't have a foster care anymore, so you're living independently. Yeah. And you're quite an independent person anyway. But what is it like in those interactions with social services? I mean, like you say, you say that it's disempowering. You yeah. almost feel like a victim when you're in those buildings. What, yeah. like, yeah, what what is that like? Um, the relationship I so I'm actually in the middle of making a complaint against my PA right now. How's that going? <laughs> he doesn't know just yet because yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have to like work with an advocate, and it's like things like that. I have to work with an advocate from another, you know, charity or organization, just so that social services can hear me. But um, I have to make a complaint against them because they've been my PA for about two years and they don't know anything about me. They don't even know. I don't even know if they would know what my birthday was if it wasn't written down on a file. And it just goes to show that there is no relationship between the PA and the, the care lever. And I don't think that they want to establish one. I don't think that they care so much. And they just assume I'll... He just, he told me this while we were having a meeting with me, him and my advocate. He said, oh, I just assumed that Joy is just fiercely independent. I didn't think that she needed any help or support from us. It's like, because I was crying out for help from you and social services. Nobody was giving me that help. And it's just like, it's not that great. You know, when I had a social worker, it was probably better because we have to see each other every six weeks. Mm. Whereas with a PA... Um, you only they're only obliged to see you twice a year, yeah. but you you need that support. Things happen all the time, mm. and you constantly need that support. And they do act as if you're a burden to them. So it's mm. always a difficult thing, always difficult. Um, and it is uh, like, and it is mad because you are one of the most capable people, I, like I've met. As like not just coming out of care, but just generally, like as I mean, I think about me when I was twenty years old. <laughs> Boy, I could not like, <laughs> you know what I mean. I was not where you are basically. <laughs> um, so, so you know, but their job isn't just to assume that you're right. right you know exactly. Like that is not, and, and and no matter how capable you are, does not mean that you don't need support. You still, don't need you know? support. Everyone needs support. You know what I mean? Like the most successful person in the world who's like the most capable person. They still Mm. need support. They need structure around them. Exactly. Where where they know that if if they fall, they'll be caught. Or at least like they'll be pushed back up. There's something there, you know? 
the like the I hate the term the safety net, but like it is mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. know like when that is taken away from people, that's how that's how people become homeless. That's how people yeah. end up in like you know psychiatric institutions. That's how because society doesn't know what to do with them because those people who you used to be there to care for you aren't there anymore and 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 if bad things get to worse you can end up in the street just like screaming yeah. you know what i mean and there's like no one around so something needs to change definitely and i don't know i don't know what it is yet but this i do have a list <laughs> <laughs> Um, go on, go through the list. What's, what's on mm, the list? I think that I mentioned this to you a while ago that um, I think it's too early when they send um, care leavers of the age of 18 to go and live by themselves in their own flat. Who who lives, who does that? So as soon as you turn 18, social services are done um, putting you in foster care. You have to um, bid to get your own flat. And um, I end up getting my own place at 20. Um, just because there was uh, legal issues involved. But even at 20, as soon as I moved into my own place, I just felt this heavy, heavy burden of like loneliness. I was living by myself for the first time ever, and I wasn't equipped for it emotionally. So, yeah, I know how to budget and, like, you know, do my groceries and cook, but the emotional aspect of it, I wasn't ready. And I was just imagining, like, being 18. I don't think I would have kept this flat for long enough. I would have ended up back in like some sort of supported lodgings or something. And I feel like there needs to be more attention on emotionally equipping young people to be ready to live by themselves. And maybe some sort of options of like sharing homes with other young people, like council houses. But like, if you want to, if you have a friend that's a care leaver, you two can live together because it's just, you know, it's better that way. Imagine like giving young people the control and the autonomy to make the decision themselves as to where they want to live yeah or who they want to live with exactly or how long they want to remain in whatever accommodation they're in um yeah it's a bit of a mad one with staying close right Uh, do you and do you know about that so staying close is the policy that people in foster care can stay with their foster care. Yeah, staying put. Staying put, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bad. have a friend actually who's still in staying put right now. It's not meant to be a policy. <laughs> You're close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and how is that working out? Um, he, he loves it. He feels like 21 is a much more appropriate age for him to um, live like in his own place. And... Um, like he has that support still, you know. Yeah. But I feel like it's only certain types of people that get staying put. Maybe if you have like a disability or maybe like a mental health problem, then those are the priority or yeah. prioritized young people. Yeah. But everyone else, it's like eighteen, you gotta leave. I was actually taken out of foster care when I was seventeen. Right. And put into somewhere called supported lodgings. Oh yeah. Um. So it basically means that you're living in like the stranger's home and renting a room, but you don't pay for it. Social services will pay for it. Yeah. And I don't even always know if everyone is checked, like for criminal convictions. Like it's. I so I've heard good things and yeah, terrible things. Yeah, about yeah. support lodgings, and yeah. I was moved six times in about two years. Wow. 
different sport lodge in Tone after I was 17. I didn't want to. I didn't want to leave foster care, but I was taken out. Wow. How come you were moved out of foster care? Were um, you so I was taken out at 17 from foster care because I made a complaint. It was a minor complaint about my foster carer. And um, I just told my social worker. And she was like, okay, you've made this complaint. We're going to take you out now. And I was like, no, I don't want to come out of foster care. I just wanted to make the complaint so that you can tell the carer to do better. Mm. They were like, no, we're going to take you out. Wow. And I was taken out like that. And I really didn't want to. And I had to like move schools and, you know, get used to a new area. And I just, it was just such a difficult time. And moving mm. from foster care to support lodgings is kind of like, I don't know what example I can use, but it doesn't, you're not prepared for it. It's no, so... It it becomes a lot more difficult. It feels like it's just something where you are, like you're living in someone's house. Like you must feel like you're not even like imposing, and especially you're if larger. you're, you know what I mean. Like yeah. And just a point on the foster carer. When you have an argument, or like your parent is not doing something that you want them to do, or like you know you get you have a falling out, or there's some conflict in foster care. In in like with your with your biological parents, normally it's rare that then they go like right. Well, we've had yeah, what like there's one now. issue. See exactly. you later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Seventeen years old, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't like how I do this thing. Like, bye. <laughs> Doesn't happen, does it? Um. Yeah. So like, it's it's a madness. Um. Go on. What's the? You continue Next with your list. list. Yeah. 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 Um, probably the next thing is CAMS, is counselling. So CAMS is like a free therapy that every single um, person in foster care has to go. It's actually mandatory. And a lot of young people don't like it. And I was wondering why. I didn't get CAMS until a year later, um, once I came into foster care. And all my friends that I made in care, um, they were just telling me, you know, CAMS is bad, you know, it's going to make you worse. And I was like, why? It's, it's therapy. We all need this. Until I got there and I realized it's not a style of therapy that's going to help you and equip you to be better and heal from your, f- from your trauma and help you move on with life and be successful. It's a type of counseling that's just like reliving the trauma over and over again. It's not a good kind of counselling for c- care leavers for young people. There needs to be something better, maybe something like cognitive behavioural therapy, something more empowering like life coaching rather than psychotherapy or something that's like, uh, I don't know, like CAMS also offers like art therapy, but this is too juvenile. Like most of us are like 16, 17, 18. We don't want to be sitting down drawing pictures of our childhood. We want to be doing something that's going to, help us heal mm. and that needs to be addressed better ca- therapy better counseling yeah and it sounds like more more like varied options you know yeah and you know what it would be nice if it was available to people because it in so many times like if you move placement you will go to the bottom of the list, list. yeah the i think the jurisdiction for cams is different to social services so like even just in terms of the practical way it is set up it doesn't it's not unified with social services so people fall through the cracks and in its concept is a great idea right therapy counseling yeah mental health services for young people who've suffered trauma 
who will need mental health support, like any of us, but particularly young people in care or who've been separated from their parents. Yet, again, it some somehow it doesn't work. And exactly. I think with the psychotherapy thing, from my from my understanding, like really, you have to make the choice to go there. Like, if you are unable to process the trauma of your childhood, yeah, then it's not really going to help you. You know, it takes a long time to process that, and it takes your like it takes life as well, doing things that are yeah. healing in life. And people who are living kind of with that trauma all the time are not necessarily ready to process it like by talking about it i mean my dad couldn't talk about his trauma until Mm -hmm. he was like 60 you know what i mean and it took it took a long time and it does take a long time and so there's got to be there's got to be better services more more like compassionate services exactly i mean for a mental health service it's incredible how Again, how like process heavy it is, how like impersonal it can be. Um, yeah, and patronizing. Oh yeah! Oh my goodness! Yeah, I love that word that you just used. <laughs> that's that. That's literally how I summarize my entire uh, therapy experience. Yeah. I don't know if it was like the therapist herself, but it was very patronizing. I didn't even like going. I'm thinking about like finances now. Mm-hmm. So um, up until I don't know. So when you're in foster care, you get an allowance. They give you an al- an allowance every week, and I don't know if anyone's checking to make sure that these allowances are given to young people, because I remember I was getting mine. I had a good foster carer, but my friends weren't getting theirs, and there'll be year like years that went by, yeah, and they weren't getting anything. And then we were talking about like, oh, yeah, I got my allowance so I can go and get my jacket and stuff. And they're like, oh, wait, we're supposed to get money. And I was like, yeah, have you not been getting anything? No, like Christmas money you're supposed to get, holiday money you're supposed to get. 
sometimes, you know, no one is checking to make sure that young people are getting this money. Was your foster carer, were they a foster carer through the council or were they yeah. an independent fostering agency? Through the council. Okay. Because um, one of the things that I struggle with um, is like how, like obviously p um, foster carers are monitored or foster care agencies are monitored and regulated. Yeah. Independent fostering agencies and kind of private children's homes often say they do their own kind of checks and their right. own training and and I don't know who's checking that exactly or like how often they're being checked and to me it seems like they've just kind of you know won the bid mm. saying that they can provide this amount of services for the cheapest price and the council just goes like right you win that contract yeah. and then see you later so it's there's a, there's definitely a disconnect there around like why like how young people kind of just farmed off as if they're products in exactly. the marketplace you know um and that is something that we will explore going forward it is very tragic that you know this whole system is treated as a business like we need real support real care real love and it we're not getting any of that because of this but going back to the money thing there's just like as soon as you turn 18 all the money stops yeah. and it's like you have to like apply for benefits or universal credit and it's of course significantly less and it's like no one is really warning you about this so you might be accustomed to like you know being able to have enough money to like buy new clothes when you need it and just like have enough money for food but then as soon as you get you know universal credit <sighs> I can I mean, I can say a million things about universal credit. Oh, yeah. I'm grateful that, you know, the government does provide me money to pay for my rent and things like that. It is just not enough. It's, the thing is, it's like, I mean, that's because you're a considerate and kind person. <laughs> and you're grateful. But I am just like, man, like, <laughs> give enough money enough. to people yeah. who need it so they can survive. It's true. It's quite simple. Enough. It's so bad. And, you know, universal credit is so messed up because... So they give you like, I don't know, £650 a month, right? But then rent is like £460. Your bills can be like 100 and something. You're not really left with much for um, groceries. There's definitely no money for clothes. And there's, no, there's not enough for travel. Yeah. So if you want to work, sure, you can start working, but it's going to mean your universal credit goes down. Yeah. If you end up working full time, you're still not going to have that much money anyways. Because it's a you're trap. Exactly. It's a trap. And it's like, that system isn't working either, especially not for care leavers. How can we make it better for care leavers? 100%. And like that, like, you know, it goes to the core of, like this, this series is focused on care, right? But it, social services is the same foundational principles or, or is principally the same thing as people who do universal credit right one is like the dfe for young people in care which seems weird in itself one is like the dwp for universal credit yeah those two things aren't working in synchronicity and can't communicate with each other which they can't like you there is a huge disconnect and people suffer because of it that is just one like procedural thing that is wrong the other thing is that the government a central government is 
not equipped to provide kind of the compassion and care and like services and support that that people need Mm -hmm. whether they've been in care or not when they're on universal credit that is not there there's nothing there for them there is the pittance that you get from universal credit (laughs) and then the like (laughs) and then the the like punishment you get if you try and work whether you've been in care or not when you're in care it's the same thing it's like like give you money yeah. and a place to live and say like we're your corporate parent until you're 18 and then bang yeah you know you're out on your ass and you've <laughs> got to go to the dwp <laughs> exactly. and like try and sort that shit out and it's like that's hard enough you know like despite all the trauma of having to deal with social services yeah. your whole life this is a new this is a new and crazy challenge you're about to face you know what i mean and it's like and there's no support there like to help you through that yeah. so i mean the the point of this series is to try and find out what like okay so we realize that those things aren't working yeah what can we do to change those things you know yeah. what can we do to make sure those things do work and we'll talk to people throughout this series to try and find out what their ideas for solutions are and what the root causes of the problems are for me i'm looking at it like young people who have experienced a care system need to take control of the care system yeah 100 percent. we need to be empowered i actually wanted to ask you something far um, away because i know that you didn't grow up in care yourself no but what inspired you to want to do this podcast i think because i've always been like passionate about social justice i've been passionate about change um i recognize inequality um pervades like i said pervades our society that you know people inequality is so huge in um our society capitalism generates inequality and it's just getting bigger and bigger i've always grown up with like political family Mm -hmm. so you know coming from a kind of um like i guess a, a, a family where like anarchist philosophy is quite it's like just strongly kind of advocated for within with from my like from my parents so that has definitely had an influence on why i've like i'm about social justice and why i've always wanted to like organize with people who are suffering at the hands of the powerful um and you know because they they have suffered from the, ha- the hands of the powerful as well um, and I haven't, you know, I've I've been really lucky to have kind of privilege. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's why why I thought, um, yeah, in terms of like young people in care, I think, you know, I think it is personal, you know, personal to my dad. Why, uh, like same same, but but at you, like why? How come you're in? Do you think you're involved? I mean, I know you want to be an interviewer, but mm-hmm. like. You know what? Initially, when I started doing this podcast with you, this project, I, I don't know, I wasn't that interested in like journalism, and I just felt like I don't know, man, it's gonna be so political, and it's like mm, I don't know. But like going through the journey, I've realized I have to do this. Well, I enjoy doing this. I enjoy working with with you, and I feel like this is 
in empowering projects. But I have to do this because I, I'm in a position where I understand what's going on. I've experienced the care system and I do genuinely want to help other people who have grown up in care, are grown up in care now and are care leavers. I feel like I have to be an activist. I have to stand up for everyone. It's only right. Yeah, it's mad. It, it is weird, isn't it? Because for me, it's like a sense of duty, right? Right. Like my 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 like perspective on the whole thing is that I have a duty, I have a responsibility to to like fight with, stand in solidarity with people who have been oppressed or who are disregarded by a system or whatever. Whereas, like. I think it's more admirable of so for someone who has been through the system and had to process their own thing and had to like live that trauma of like interacting with the system and it is trauma like it's a traumatic experience from every single person I've ever spoken to says that is not a therapeutic experience mm -hmm. right not healing and still coming out and being like, I want to talk about this situation. I want to, you know what I mean? Like, I know you're saying like, you know, you have to be an activist and all oh, you're enjoying it. But like, to me, that's admirable, like so admirable to be able to be just like, a to be able to go, like go talk about this again or like, to, you know, unpick the system or discover like hear people's stories or like, you know, all of that I think is is admirable. And we will, you know, throughout the series we will be you know, we've already been on a journey. Yeah. And that journey will continue. Yeah. Um and it and it and we'll you know, we'll discover more things about ourselves and hopefully discover things about about solutions to to some difficult problems. Amazing. It'll be good. Thank you for listening to Transforming Care. Transforming Care is an autonomous media production hosted by myself, Jake Blake, and Joy Milani. You can find us at autonomousmedia.org, on Twitter at media underscore autonomy, and on Instagram at autonomous underscore media underscore London underscore. They're long, I know. I hope you enjoyed the show and tune in next week. <laughs>